Hello and welcome to the Rosenfeld Review Podcast. This is Lou Rosenfeld, and I'm with my friend Trisha Wong. Hey, Trisha, how are you? Great. You are a repeat guest. In fact, you did me the generous uh, favor of interviewing me over a bottle of wine in person a few months ago, where I uh, rambled on about um, uh, my first love in consulting, working with Borders Books and Music back in the mid-90s, and uh, you got me going, and uh, now you, you've kind of set the bar high for me because we are not in the same room. We don't have a bottle of wine. I don't know. It's not really fair. I shouldn't have agreed to this. I should have said we have to do this in person with wine. Well, what was I thinking? <laughs> what were we thinking? But it's great to talk to you even without the wine. Uh, if you don't know Trisha, uh, you may know the interaction at the design conference, and you were one of the keynoters in. Uh, in Helsinki, uh, what was it, two years ago? Yeah. And uh, I heard so much about Trisha from that talk that um, I got to meet her, and uh, she agreed to join the Enterprise UX 2017 program and uh, was a huge hit there. And I, I just love her thinking about in integrated data thinking. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's one of the things that she's going to be doing uh, at Enterprise UX 2018 this year, June 13th through 15th in San Francisco. Uh, well, Tricia, first of all, is co-founder of Sudden Compass. Go, you do what you, uh, the company does what you do. It's tech ethnography, right? Uh, kind of what we do. I mean, what I do is, you know, we, what we do is we help companies succeed at digital transformation by helping them teaching them how to scale insights very you know rapidly and we've developed a whole practice for that and part of that is we think you know the the thing the secret sauce of being able to scale insights rapidly and to be customer centric is that you have to have teams across the company who can work with qualitative and quantitative data and that is how you you know really bring the human to light and that's a skill set that isn't taught in companies and it's not taught in programs or schools and it's not usually the sexy thing to want to go after but we think it's the most important thing uh, for a company to learn well i mean it, it's a topic i personally love i totally agree and i don't know if it's even an issue with not being sexy i think most companies are just unaware we're all in our little silos we're all in little pockets of of uh, knowledge, but we don't really get to intuition because we don't get those silos uh, combined and, and people behind them talking with each other. So, you know, I, I think the two things you're going to be doing in Enterprise UX this year um, really speak to that. One is teaching people how to do what you just described and what your company helps do. Mm -hmm. Workshop, one day workshop on June 13th on integrated data thinking. We'll come back to that in just a moment. The other thing you're going to be doing is uh, leading a theme on how to scale up research and design in the enterprise setting with three fantastic speakers. Why don't we start with that and just talk a little bit about your, your mini conference, if you will, on uh, scale in the enterprise and uh, how you're going about it and uh, who's going to be part of that, uh, that theme. Yeah, so I am so excited to really you know, program and curate this theme of scale, because I think this is such a something that companies struggle with as they're growing, as especially tech companies you're in enterprises, you think you have a product and as you scale up, it is very, very easy to get lost in the processes of scaling and to lose your contact with the customer, with the human and I really wanted, you know, I mean, with your guys' help, we really did a thorough search across the world 
for who are three people who really are just like leaders in their field, but perhaps because they're so busy scaling and doing the work, we haven't even heard enough from them about this particular aspect of the work of how they've scaled up, you know, the companies that they've worked in, how they've played really critical roles and the kind of stuff that they've learned in being one of the most you know, important people in maintaining that human centric component of a company as it grows from like 200 to a couple thousand. And so this is just a dream come true to bring together three heavy hitters in this area. And I'm super excited to be doing that this year. And they're all people who are very much obsessed with customer centricity, but at the same time, they understand the need for process. They understand the need for, you know, really rigorous ways of working, but they they know how to balance that in a way that still maintains the, you know, human centricness that all these companies really have. So who are they? Well, uh, the first person who I am so excited to have her come, I think this is her first time at uh, Enterprise UX, would be Jennifer Cardello, who is the head of design ops at Athena Health. And she is, you know, just has had a long career in working in, and I think like over 20 plus years and really building human-centered design uh, organizations. And one of the things that I really was excited to have her talk about was the role of metrics and how, um, you know, she's really built, uh, you know, she's like leadership often needs to create KPIs for what you're doing. And design is something that's very difficult to think about because usually measurement and design and research have some kind of clash. And so what's really great and what she's going to talk about is this particular problem of like, you know, there's nothing inherently wrong with measurement, but oftentimes organizations employ measurement in a way that takes out the human and it makes it so process oriented that there's no room for flexibility and any kind of openness to it. So she's going to talk about this thing that she created, which is experience measurement framework where they created a three sprint regression analysis that correlated user experience to the company's actual financial outcomes, you know, for them, which was for Athena Health, it's retention and referrals. And what was really great is that she implemented this kind of measurement across the whole company so that there was just one KPI to use so that individual design teams didn't have to come up with their own measurement. And that way there could be a shared language for leadership to understand what was the value of design instead of having to like, you know, prove again and again. So, I mean, this is just such a rare opportunity to have a leader like, you know, like Jennifer Cardale at her level to be giving us this kind of insight for and openly sharing what she's implemented across the company. Well, I love that you got, uh, or she's talking about getting people speaking the same language. I mean, they can actually tell a story together in ways that they couldn't separately. And then we have John Tashik, who is a senior vice president at Salesforce. John, if you look John up online, he doesn't have a big web presence. He's not, it's not like he's out there giving talks. He doesn't talk publicly. He is usually the person who is supporting people who are getting on stage and supporting all the evangelists at Salesforce. But if you talk to anyone high up at Salesforce, including Mark, you will find out very quickly that John Tashik is, has, is critical to Salesforce success. And he is you know, responsible for corporate product strategy to corporate intelligence and market influence to Salesforce. But that's just all that's in his bio. The way I talk about John is that he is the chief of misfits. Like he is the one who, you know, one of the most critical, uh, played a critical role in making, bring human understanding and bring narrative to Salesforce. So he came to the company in 2003, you know, and he was, I think like employee number 200 something. 
And he, you know, when he was there, he, when, I mean, for his time there, what he's done is just impressive. And what he's going to talk about is that like, how did he turn Salesforce, you know, as, as one of the critical people there doing this, how did he play this role in turning Salesforce from being just another CRM company to a human understanding company? And he's going to really share all some of the actual works work that he's implemented and, you know, the strategy, you know, that he's carried through and driven throughout his teams. And what's really, I think, going to be a humongous takeaway for any company is that when you're making something like a tech product or any kind of product, it's really easy to get focused and obsessed with the feature and that blind kind of um, optimization can often make you just like another, you know, app company, another, you know, to do company. Like there's all these apps out there where it's like, there's clearly other companies out there in your field that are competing against you. So what is your, uh, you know, competitive advantage? And what John is going to talk about is that for them, for them to stand out amongst all these other CRM companies, it wasn't just, you know, optimizing features and introducing new products, but it was also really making Salesforce a human understanding company. Well, and I, what I love about the idea of uh, a talk like that coming out of an environment like Salesforce is, you know, he has helped Salesforce scale up in this way. And that in turn leads to Salesforce being a tool in effect to help a lot of other companies scale up. Exactly. Yeah, so there's this like kind of, you know, ripple effect that happens. So And what about Andy Johar? Okay, so Andy Johar is like totally coming out of left field. Uh he is the co-founder and director of Dark Matter Laboratories and I just love Andy's brain. He's I you know I saw him speak speak at the conference in Malmö, Sweden about a few years ago and he blew my mind. He's just one of those people who can see you know, in really big ways and connect theory to practice. And he's co-founded multiple social ventures in England. He's from the UK and he's just co-led tons of research projects. And what's great about what, what their background is at, you know, his at dark, at dark matter laboratories is that they really are, they treat themselves as a scientific laboratory and they undertake real world research where they work with companies to prototype new kinds of institutional infrastructure. So they find actual companies or organizations that are willing to say, yeah, we're going to create something new. So, and through that, you know, really you could just say yes on paper, they're another design studio, but they absolutely are not just another design studio is that they do some crazy shit. They spin out products, they spin out ventures, they redesign entire communities. They, you know, and they take it apart from, you know, the biz transformation level to the actual community level. And they build out ventures themselves where they actually have a stake in what they're doing. If they're, you know, most design studios and agencies are just like, yeah, yeah, build this but they don't have skin in the game in the way that dark matter laboratories is where they're actually, you know, investing in the ventures that they're co-designing with their partners, not clients, but partners. And that's, what's fascinating about Indy is that he is really working. He has this different perspective where instead of being inside an enterprise, he's really partnering with enterprises and helping them figure out what's next. What's the next kind of venture that we want to, you know, to, to scale this enterprise to the next level. And he's creating new kinds of partnerships to do that. So what Indy is going to talk about is that this new kind of modality in enterprise that's required that in order to be innovative, it's that you can't just do centralized innovation units anymore. 
is that that those kind of days are gone. You need to treat innovation as a mesh system. Mm -hmm. And what he calls this is that there's a new class of business that design needs to understand. It's a new form of management. It's a new class of investment models that he calls system venturing. And this is venturing at a systems level versus a product level. And if you think about that, it's a really great follow-up to what John was talking about. Because John is like, we, you know, John Tashik is essentially like a Salesforce. We didn't just, you know, uh, innovate at the product level. We were really trying to innovate at the systems level. And for John, the systems level was thinking about the human as the overall infrastructure. So what Indy is doing is I think he's going to, you know, I think he's a great follow-up to John because he's really talking about how he advises multiple organizations or, you know, enterprises to do this. And that, you know, how do you actually operate in this complex emergent world? You can't have central innovation units. It's that value creation looks very different because central innovation units is just like another product unit. It doesn't, you're just replicating the same kind of, you know, top-down infrastructure that makes your organization not agile and it prevents you from iterating. So he's arguing that, you know, and actually if you want to respond to real complex world issue, like, you know, world, problems that enterprise has to take a systems approach to innovation not just a product level approach well i love hearing that and it, it echoes um uh, a lot of what i was learning in the podcast interview i did with the closing keynote uh, a few days ago dick buchanan uh, from case western who is going to be talking about fourth order design that, and by that he's fourth know, order design yeah, that's maybe. like some kind of dark or awesome bright future it could go uh, either I, way I, what I, is it awesome bright uh, but it, it, you know, he's talking about moving beyond craft to uh helping uh or, or applying uh design for systems which is yes the like the critical thing in the enterprise setting and this, folks, is why if you work in or with enterprises, you really ought to be thinking about the conference because just this is what we're about. Um, you've pulled together a really great mix, Indy Johar, Jen Cardello, and John Tashek. And, of course, yourself, you're going to be up there uh, helping them, uh, uh, introducing them, uh, facilitating uh, the discussion that they'll all be participating in and, and obviously helping get them to uh, the point where they're, they're gonna give three great talks that really fit well together. But you're also gonna be on stage for a day teaching your own workshop on integrated data thinking. So, uh, and this is one of my favorite topics. Why don't you bottom line it for us? I, I hopefully will not be on a stage when I'm teaching this lab, but I'll be yeah. on the ground okay. with- yeah, You'll be on the ground. Yes, with the participants. And this is really exciting for Set and Compass is because you know for the last few years uh, we've been you know, really prototyping and refining our lab, this integrated data thinking practice that we now teach in a lab form. And when I first taught this and created it, it was before I started Set Compass. It was just me alone by myself and working with my first client who was like, we want this. And it was Procter & Gamble. They're like, we want you to teach this to our entire research, you know, market research function. And it was the greatest privilege to do that. And I knew that I had something right when an organization, a Fortune 50 company of that size is like, what you're, what you're doing is what we need. And so since then, I've, I started a company with two amazing business partners, uh, Matt LeMay and Sunny Bates. And what we do now is work with other enterprises on teaching them this. And we've only, every time we, you know, with every client we improve. But the thing is, is that we haven't taught any of this publicly like no one has seen any of it i think the closest glimpse was me talking about the integrated thinking framework last year at enterprise ux 17 
but there's no recording of that because you know the videos the video camera did not work out that year but it's okay because even better you get to come and go to the lab and you get to see me in person uh teaching what we've uh been you know refining and prototyping with our clients and this will be the first time like we're exposing you know people to this um in the field where you can just sign up yourself as an individual and learn uh what we think is the missing, the, the most important skill set that is missing in organizations. And is that if you want to generate customer insights that are holistic, that are scalable, and that are actually real and in touch with what customers are doing, you have to integrate qualitative and quantitative data, quanti quantitative data. And the problem is that most organizations don't teach the skill set. And so what we do is we've created a framework called integrated data thinking that creates a shared practice. And then we're going to teach this practice in this lab that we call Unlock Sprints, um, which is the practice of really getting, extracting that kind of data and sharing that, uh, sharing those insights into an organization, in an organization in a, in a fast way. Well, I, I've been, you know, firmly believing that the integration of qual and quan is, is like this critical, almost Achilles heel for a lot of organizations for years. And I'm really grateful that, that you folks are, are taking a pass at it. And I, I, I feel like we would do the listener a disservice if we didn't throw that uh, a lovely metaphor you came up with uh, into the discussion, because I think it really helps kind of frame parts of what I think you're going to cover. And that's, uh, you know, how people talk about big data. Mm -hmm. You know, that's, you know, that's the real important stuff. Uh, and it sort of almost uh, denigrates the qualitative side that folks like yourselves, like yourself, as ethnographers might come up with. Well, you, you have a, a counterpoint, which is thick data. Yes. Yeah, if you haven't heard of thick data before, it's because I invented that term so that I could, you know, make qualitative ethnographic user research, design research, blah, blah, whatever millions of names people have out there because we can't even agree in our field to one name. I was like, you know what? Screw that. That's really confusing to people to introduce myself as an ethnographer or some days I'm a design researcher or some days I'm a UX researcher. Like I was just getting so sick of trying to figure out how to present myself and depending on the audience I was with. And really I wanted to tackle the issue was that like, it didn't matter how I present my, presented myself is that most of times the businesses and the data scientists at the end of the day at any of these organizations or fields discounted the work I did because it wasn't in the form of big data, which is like, the, you know, apparently the sexiest job to be a data scientist, to gather big data. And so really what we've been fighting as an industry, if anyone who does qualitative work is a branding issue, is that we don't even want to have a, 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 an agreed upon name for what we do. And we, so I was like, you know what, then the name for what we do is called thick data. Like we gather thick data and it's irrelevant what to call us but I wanted to create something that was a 30 second elevator pitch so that if I was in a room of data scientists or business people, when they were like trying to throw around their big data, you know, as if like it was better than what they were sometimes calling my small data sets or puny data sets, where I was like, no, like mine's, mine is, my data is really thick and it's got a lot of depth. It may not have scale, but that's why we need to work together because your data doesn't have depth and you know, you have scale and you certainly have a lot of what, but no why. I can help you answer the why. So we should be working together because I have human intelligence, whereas you're applying mostly, you know, writing everything into that, uh, relying on machine intelligence. So we should be collaborating and working together so that I can help you rescue the, you know, the context loss that comes from all the stuff you need to do to make your data analyzable 
and, you know, normalized and, you know, for the database. And so it's, I've had a lot of success with it. We at Set and Compass have had a lot of success with it too, because this is why companies bring us in is to precisely to learn this very skill set that is missing because they're realizing that they have overinvested in big data and uh, they have not given enough attention to the importance of big data because that's what brings you closer to the customer. Well, and, and there you have it. If you listen to this series of podcasts, you know there's a very good chance that at some point I'm going to bring up the metaphor of the blind man and the elephant. And uh, this is just another example of, of smart people figuring out that uh, you need more ways to get those blind men talking across silos, to get uh, them to share what they know, to start speaking the same language, and to start actually arriving at big insights. Yes. Together. Blind people. There you go. Hey, listen, I didn't make up the metaphor. That's, that's thousands of years old. Coming. Yeah, but we're going to iterate. We got to make it for the modern times. That's right. All right. Blind people. And yes. elephant at least is, uh, is unisex. But uh, anyway, Trisha Wong, it's been fantastic to have you once again on the podcast series here. And uh, uh, we managed to get through it uh, without a bottle of wine. Not too bad. Now I really need a bottle of wine. <laughs> well, here's the thing. You're probably just a few miles from here where I sit in Brooklyn, but uh, I have a feeling I won't see you until we're both in San Francisco for Enterprise UX, June 13th through 15th, where Tricia will be teaching her integrated data thinking workshop, as well as facilitating our, one of our four conference themes. Tricia, great to have you on the show. Thanks for joining us. Thanks, Lou.